When he says you shall have whatsoever you ask, when you draw close to God and you begin to pray and you ask God for something in your life, here's something that may be brand new to your thinking. But God will cause you to pray the prayers He wants to answer. You don't want to pray arbitrary prayers. Lord, give me a new Volkswagen. You know, Lord, pay my utility bill. Oh, come on now. Listen to the Spirit of God and He will cause you to pray for what He wants to answer in your life. And then when He answers it, you're going to think, My, that must have been a really good prayer. God answered that prayer. It's because He wants to answer what is good for you in your life. And to filter out everything that He does not want you to have. You see, this thing goes a lot deeper than Mother May I. Simon says, no, no, we are not playing with somebody. He is Almighty God, we're His child, and we want to align to what His divine will is. Now listen, he says in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when he was yet, and when ye stand praying, here's the core of the message. And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Listen now. I want you to know this is in the Bible. We didn't make this up. This is, this is not family worship center scripture. This is right out of the word of God. In fact, Mark is the oldest gospel. He wrote it first. And he relates the words of Christ and says, But if you do not forgive, everybody got that? If you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses pretty important. Pretty important. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you, forgive your trespasses. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? And I want you to pray forgiveness all over them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we call upon you today. And we call upon your Son, the beloved Christ. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us, Father, see the importance of forgiveness. Forgiveness to others. Forgiveness, Lord, a forgiving heart within us that we might forgive those around us. Father, we ask these things so that we can align ourselves with the Spirit of Christ and be like the Lord Jesus in every way that we possibly can be. Father, I pray a rich blessing upon my neighbor. Bless them, Lord. May they release every poison in their life life today and may it be replaced by the power of the living God and the healing virtue of the Holy Spirit. We ask it Lord in Jesus mighty name and everyone said God forgive me. Would you give the Lord praise this morning?
You may be seated if you'd like. I'm going to give you just a a little something here today. There's a story that goes that an atheist was taking a walk in the woods. This man did not believe in God, thought that nature, you know, just started with an explosion out there in the cosmos. And somehow we got redwood trees and dogwood trees and field grass and clover and bears and deer and all of these animals. He was out there just enjoying it. Oh, isn't the river great? Isn't uh, uh, El Capitan great? And, and the, all the deer in the... Isn't it just great how we have this? And all of a sudden, he heard something over his shoulder... And uh, Sister Jen, I understand that Jeff's not afraid when you go hiking because he can run faster than you. Well, here, here, here this atheist out in the field hears a roar over his shoulder and he looks back and it's a gigantic grizzly bear. In fact, this grizzly bear is upright as they can be, bipedular when they want to be, and roaring. He knew that he was in deep trouble. And he began to run for his life, whatever it was worth. I mean, he didn't know God. He was running for his life. And he felt the hot breath of the grizzly bear on the nape of his neck. And he stumbled because he turned to look and he stumbled on a tree root. And there he was. And in that moment of time, he said, Oh, my God! And all of a sudden, the forest went quiet, not a sound to be heard. The bear quit roaring, the birds quit chirping, the squirrels quit running around, hiding their nuts, and he heard a voice, and he saw a light, and out of the sky came the voice and said, am I to take it now that When you are in peril for your life, that suddenly you believe in me and you want me to deliver you? And the man said, well, it would be very hypocritical of me at this moment to call upon you and ask you to save me. But could you do this one thing? Could you cause the bear to be a Christian? A Christian bear. And the Lord says, yes, I'll do that for you. And all of a sudden, the the noise came back. The hot breath of the bear was upon him. In fact, had him pinned with his paws. And the bear brought both paws together and said, Father, I thank you for this meal which I am about to partake of. You can be thankful for a lot of things. But I, I believe in the Lord God today. And truly, at the end of life, there is nobody that is an atheist. There are people that are proud of their education. And uh, I, I heard somebody say this past week. Some people are just too educated. They, they, they've, they've run to and they've learned to trust in themselves instead of someone who is greater than them. And I can totally understand that saying. But this morning, we believe. And this morning, we trust God and thank God for the forgiving works of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want to understand that your salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It came by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who willingly laid his life down that you might have your sins forgiven and forgotten, never to be remembered against you evermore. Can you say amen? In the New Testament, there are 62 words all about forgiveness. 22 of them are about you forgiving somebody else. You see, you forgiving others is vital to your Christianity. I want you to think about it this morning and just ponder in your mind. Don't have to rib somebody. Don't have to raise your hand. But is there an individual in your life that you just can't stand to be around because that they've done something to you in the past and have never apologized to you about it? Every time you think of this individual, you get a shot of adrenaline. In fact, your stomach goes into a knot. It could be a sister or a brother in the family, even at that, a blood brother, sister, that did something to you as a child and really you never reconciled and now you really can't stand to be around them. Unforgiveness, somebody once said, unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping to kill somebody else. Drink it in. Unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping to kill somebody else. Unforgiveness will keep you out of heaven. And there's only one other alternative. That individual that you refuse to forgive, that violated your trust that violated you in so many ways, that embarrassed you, that hurt you so deeply, is continuing to hurt you if you don't forgive them. In fact, you have given them power to afflict you for eternity. You have given them power to afflict you for eternity. Brother Randall, how long can they afflict you? As long as you let them. And if you don't reconcile with it here on planet earth, you will never really reconcile at all. So many words in the New Testament talk about you forgiving somebody else. And I know... Some of you have got that special individual. Let me tell you, in the ministry, there is a grand opportunity to be hurt. There's a grand opportunity to to be criticized. And if I was going to hold a grudge, I've got many people that I could hold a grudge on. But I have chosen to forgive. Now listen, unforgiveness or forgiveness... I want to define forgiveness for you. 
And this is by an author, his name is Ken Sade. But it's, he says, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not forgetting nor excusing. It is a decision. You say, well, the Lord tells us to, to for, forgive and to forget. Yes. But it's still in your mind. But it doesn't have to be in your heart. You may think because I still remember what somebody says that you haven't forgiven them. That's not the truth. Forgiveness is a decision. Whether that person ever asks your forgiveness or ever even acknowledges that they've hurt you, you can decide that this day it will no longer affect me. It will no longer be forefront in my mind. It will no longer cause me to have feelings of hate or feelings of revenge. Sometimes people, that's okay, you can be quiet all morning. This is one of those messages. Sometimes people say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Now, let's find out if you really mean that. What if, I'll just use myself just to be safe, Brother Randall. What if I sin? And I do on occasion, whether it's in anger, whether it's a poor decision, whatever it might, I, I have sinned, Pastor. And I've got to go before the Lord. In fact, eternity hinges on me going before the Lord and asking forgiveness for whatever it might be. Now, I know none of you sin. I understand that. I'm just using myself. So I go before God and I say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Cleanse me with the precious blood of your Son and change my heart and change my mind. A sincere, repentive occasion with God when I pour my heart out on an altar. And God says, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget it. Does that sound right? Is that what you want? It must be what you want if you cannot forgive your brother or sister or your boss or the person who took your parking place and you may have given that special salute because you remember it the next time you see that color car and that model, that must be that person. I'm getting the parking place this time. I preach enough, silence doesn't scare me anymore, Pastor. Is that what you want? Is that really what we want in life? That individual may have husbands and wives, they may have cheated on you. And there may be some things that are so vile, you need to forgive them, but you need to separate yourself from them. It's not forgetting, nor is it excusing. It is a decision that you forgive them, and you will not carry that bitterness with you anymore. Can you say amen? Amen.
I'm not asking you to forget the incident. Neither is God saying that you've got to forget the incident, but that you will not remember it in the forefront of your mind anymore. Forgiveness also means, let's do a little husband and wife banter here. Oh, it's quiet. I like it. When you truly have forgiven your husband or your wife, you will not dwell on the incident anymore, ever. You will not ever bring the incident up anymore. Now, I'm talking about your eternity. You can decide. I mean, if it's that important to you that you're going to burn in hell, go right ahead. I will not talk to others about this incident. And I will not let this incident stand between you and I or hinder our personal relationships. There was a woman that needed some marital counseling couldn't get her husband to go, and so she went to talk to the pastor alone. And she said, Pastor, every time my husband and I have a fight, he gets historical. And he said, oh, you mean hysterical. No, I mean historical. He brings up everything that I've ever done, goes all the way back to to the to even before we were married, I have to hear about all of these things when I burnt the biscuits, when I did this, when I wrecked a car, whatever it might be, when I lost my temper with him for the final time because he acts like such a little baby and can't clean up after himself. He gets historical. He brings it up. Brethren and sistren, if you're keeping score, you're not forgiving. If you've got a little tally, that's one strike. Up oh, socks on the floor, as another. Oh, and you said something about the car's out of gas, and I should have, that, that's it. Three strikes, you are in the doghouse. You're keeping score. Let me tell you something. If you're keeping score, you better keep an attorney on retainer because you're headed for a divorce. Did you know that divorce within the church is nearly the same ratio as divorce outside of the church? There's not much difference. It seems as though God's people talk about love and forgiveness and they love to receive it. But they don't seem to know how to give it out. The people of God, right now, you're breathing in grace. You're breathing in grace and enjoying grace. You're asking God to forgive you. You're asking God to help you. And the heart beating within your your chest, you're enjoying the grace of God. But when you breathe in the grace of God, you need to learn how to breathe out the love of God. 
Somebody say amen. When I married my wife 42 years ago, I thought at that time that I had made a top choice. Not second choice, top choice. Not number two or number three, but number one. I want to tell you something. Nothing has dissuaded my opinion about my decision to marry my wife. There is a lot of give and take. Sometimes, brethren and sisters this morning, it's hardly ever 50-50. I don't know who told you that. They lied. It's not hardly ever 50-50. Sometimes it's like 99.5 to 0.5. It can happen that way. Either way, wife can come up to the husband and say, I'm going away for a three-day weekend. I'm going to be with the girls. We're going to a seminar. You fend for yourself. I'm sure you can find the fridge, the bologna, and the bread. That's the way it's going to be. And so when that happens, maybe a few weeks later, the husband may come in, wake up on a Saturday morning and tell you, I'm going on a hike. You can come along, but I can run faster than you. You make the decision. And it's not time to start looking at your ledger to see if you've got points against letting the other one do that without causing a lot of discontent. Marriage is not a brawl. Marriage is not a place to have strife. Neither is the house of God. When we come to the house of God, people on the outside ought to see a family. Blood, family. Brothers and sisters, family. Families have quarrels. If your family is alive and has a heartbeat every now and then, there's going to be a disagreement. We at times can agree to disagree. We can seek counsel. We can go before the pastor. Pastor, be the judge in this matter. And the pastor can give you balanced, even judgment on the matter and tell you what he believes is the biblical answer. But I want to tell you something right from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me this morning, you're going to overlook a multitude of transgressions. You're going to know that I love you. Even at times it may not come across that way. You know that I love you, that I'm preaching from love, and that I want to see you in heaven, and that forgiveness is a mighty, absolute credential to get into the gates of glory. Let me tell you, Story. In fact, really, you can't do anything about it because I'm going to tell you anyway. In the book of Matthew, I believe it's chapter 18. I could go up there and look, but you'll know the story. There was a master. He had servants under him. And this servant owed over $52 million over 52 million dollars you can do the math that's what it says in the bible 52 million dollars if it was silver 
and the master required this man. And the man came with a repentant heart. He says, oh, please forgive me. Somehow I'll pay this debt. But please don't cast me into a debtor's prison. Please don't enslave my children and, and have them be slaves because of my debt. And the master looked at this servant. And it says that he forgave him his debt. He didn't require him to work it off. He didn't require that his family become slaves. He just flat out straight said, I forgive your debt. This man left the presence of the master, went out, and found somebody who owed him money. He found somebody who owed him $40. 40 bucks. And then got him by the throat and demanded his $40. Did you see the $52 million? And now this man is throttling somebody for 40 bucks. $52 million, 40 bucks. This is God's forgiveness. More money, more debt than you could ever pay. This is piddly. This, for that time, maybe a couple of days' wage. And he demanded that that man pay that. In fact, he was going to throw him in prison, but the master caught wind of it. Went over, had his servants go and get him. Didn't I forgive you $52 million? And yet you leave my presence and you find somebody that owes you 40 bucks. And you're going to throw them in prison. And he took that man and threw him in prison. And he was beaten with many stripes. The analogy is obvious. God has forgiven you for so much. Yet some of you look at the pastor and you get just that little bit of jolt because you've had words. You look at me because I preach too loud and I'm in your face. I have ought. Sometimes it can be so benign when you come into the house of God your brother or sister looks at you and they don't speak to you and it starts a seed of doubt has been planted the enemy comes and waters that they don't love me in fact I know they're talking about me that's who they were talking about over there I want to tell you something I'll just share something, and this is just me, but it can apply in many. I don't have any side vision anymore. My peripheral vision is gone because of laser treatments. So at times you can walk right up on me. I don't see, I don't see anything. And if you don't say something, I don't even know you're standing there. And yet the enemy can say, he doesn't care about me. He won't even turn and look at me. How many other people here have had similar situations 
That they looked at you the wrong way, but they were looking at somebody over there trying to get eye contact. And you thought that they were looking at you and giving you a funny look. I don't love you anymore. Nose up. And all of these scenarios play out. They don't love me and I've got, I'm angry. I'm getting back. The only person you're getting back on is you. The only person you're really hurting is you. You're drinking poison. And it's hurting you day by day by day. If you pray... And your prayers feel like they're bouncing off a brass ceiling. There may be a reason. Jesus said, if you don't forgive me, he won't forgive you. If I don't forgive you, he won't forgive me. Do you see the the relationship? That if you really want to be a Christian... You've got to be Christ-like. What was the last thing Jesus did before he departed from his regular old human body? Say it again, Brother Terry. The last act of Christ before his death, burial, and resurrection was to forgive those who had done that thing to him because he said they don't know what they they don't know they're crucifying the son of god and that's truth they didn't know that but they did it anyway and then to one of the thieves on the cross he granted eternal life because there was repentance in his heart see the greatest thing you can do is not hold a grudge The greatest thing you can do this morning is to forgive everyone who has wronged you in any way, shape, or form. Now, it is actually almost a selfish act in that when you forgive others, you lose all the bitterness, you sleep at night, you can sit down to a T-bone steak and eat it and your stomach will work right. When you sit down to a, I I like steak, Sister Shannon. I really like, in fact, it's ribeye cooked medium with a little bit of red left in there. And there may be a potato sitting there kind of staring at me, but I'm ignoring that potato. And I'm sat down to this steak. But what if somebody walks into the restaurant that I have something against? That steak's not going to taste good. In fact, I'll probably end up taking it home. Let me tell them, have you ever been in a grocery store and you saw somebody that didn't see you and you went down the other aisle? How did I know about that? Sometimes it's not unforgiveness. Sometimes it's just, you know, you know. They're not the kind of person you want to be around. They're, they, 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 they're, they're special people. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but they're special. But I'm talking about the kind of person when you wake up in the middle of the night and you remember what they did and it's eating at you. It's the kind of person you're thinking about right now. 
You see, there's conflicts that happen in churches all the time, and sometimes it ends up splitting a church when people really do not know how to deal with conflict properly. It's the kind of thing that pits brother against brother, a church a pastor's council against the pastor, and sister against sister. If we do not practice I love you unconditionally, it can lead to that kind of a thing. I'm going to leave you with this. And you can decide for yourself. I don't, I, this doesn't go just exactly with unforgiveness. I'll give you a warning. It's just something I really like. There's a, there is a theologian that lived during my lifetime. In fact, he was born in about 1898 or so, and he lived to 1968. And he was German. His name was Karl Barth. He's one of the greatest theologians of our time. His, his theology was so wrapped up in Jesus. It, it's called Christology, the study of Christ, the person of Christ. So wrapped up that some people thought it was to a fault. That, that when you talk about God, you better talk about Jesus with him. That's how important Jesus Christ was to this individual. And it does tie in because Jesus forgives you. And he was lecturing in one of the great institutions. I don't know if it was Yale or Harvard or uh, uh, somewhere where they have a deep theological study and department. And he was lecturing, and it came to the part of the lecture where he let people ask him questions. There was one youngster that raised his hand. He was acknowledged. He stood and he said, "Uh, Mr. Barth, out of all of your endeavors and your deep teachings and, and the Lord knows how much respect we have for you. What, what do you, can, can you express in a few words what is really the most important thing that you've learned in your entire study of theology? And he wasn't long to answer. He said, it's what my mother taught me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Here's a man that you could sit down with and discuss the deepest theology known to mankind. And his whole life was wrapped up in Jesus, knowing that Jesus loves him, forgives him, and has welcomed him into the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, it's all about Jesus. It's all about loving him and loving each other like brothers and sisters in the Lord. When there is a conflict, seek resolution. When there is no resolution, forgive anyway. Forgive them and love them. Some of them you may have to love at a distance, and it may be advisable to love at a distance. But it will release you from a lifetime of hurt and emotional turmoil to where you could look at that individual even who has abused you And deep down in your heart, you can forgive them, avoid them, and make a decision that that's not going to affect my life anymore. Would you stand with me today? Not everybody grew up on Primrose Lane. Not everybody had a fine mother and father. 
Some of you were privileged to have a good mom and a good dad, or one or the other. And that is a large step forward in life. But some of you may have to forgive some people in order for you to advance in the Lord. If you want to be a minister, you need to learn to forgive. If you want to be a man or a woman of God, you need to learn to forgive. The power of forgiveness and the power of unforgiveness equally hold eternity in their grasp. Which one are you going to embrace today? Forgiveness aligns you with Christ. Unforgiveness aligns you with Lucifer. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you.